Hey, Fungo Banter fans, back with another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast. I am Eric Sorensen here in Ellensburg, Washington. Still in Big Country Studio, ready for Jason and Kelly to get on here, talk some baseball with us. And today we are joined by Derek Bingham, Lake Washington head coach, part of the Seattle Elite League. Guys, another great episode to get yourself some snacks, some drinks, and get out and just listen and talk some, some baseball talk here coming up. Please check out our, our sponsor, Safeguard. Go to safeguard.com. Give Dave Cruz a call, 509-547-1714. All your apparel team needs. Go check them out. We truly appreciate them. Hey, we've seen some nice comments put out there in the rate and review of our podcast. We really appreciate you guys. We appreciate you guys that are commenting on our Twitter and Facebook talks. And, and please get on there and share with everybody. We truly appreciate that. Guys, like I said, we're on iTunes, Spotify. Please share the word, the Pacific Northwest. Try to help reach out, maybe share it with someone that might be trying to find their way in coaching baseball. Someone that we know that's in it for helping kids and growing this beautiful game that we all love and want to be a part of. So, well, without further ado, let's bring on coach. Banner fans, we're back with another guest for the Fungo Banner podcast. Really excited to have him on. Derek Bingham, head coach at Lake Washington High School. Coach, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the podcast. You bet. It's an honor to be here. I've uh, listened to a couple episodes, and I'm excited to kind of talk some shop with you guys. Hey, we appreciate you taking the time. And right away, what's your favorite Fungo? So, favorite Fungo, uh, so I don't know if you guys have seen the DeMarini Fungadelic. Have you seen that one? It's It, it came out probably like mm-hmm. five or six years ago. It's like a um it's got a wood handle and then there's like a composite and then there's wood at the end and it's i don't know it's uh it's, it's a little unique um our whole staff ended up getting it um once like i think it was like a pre-tryout my fungo had broken like in february and i was like oh shoot i gotta run down the store and grab one i didn't realize we didn't have one and um one of the local shops had it and i was like i'll try this thing out and ever since i've been swinging it um super unique it's like really skinny so the composite part is like the size of a pen literally like just skinny and then it just kind of works its way out to the to the wood piece so it's um but i love it good leverage and uh really light I think it's like 21 ounces but you know get the ball in the gas pretty well with it and i'm, I'm kind of i've never was a power guy so i'm, I'm more of like an accuracy guy with fungo <laughs> you know so i'm not, you know i leave that up to the to the home run hitters when we need to hit the balls in the gas but i could be pretty accurate with that thing so so and, and no offense to my pitching coach right now so what you're saying is i need to buy that for that guy who has a fungal problem of? Oh, absolutely, yes. That's yes. awesome. Precision, precision-based fungo. <laughs> absolutely. So, talk <laughs> about your start in the coaching, and you know what has been some of the most rewarding parts of your 15 years at LW. Yeah, sure. So, I started super early. I mean, my parents were both little league coaches growing up, and so even when I was playing in high school, I was literally coaching a little league team when I was like 16 years old. Not, it's kind of you know I knew that. I wasn't going to play all that long. I, I kind of figured that part out. I was good, but not great, but loved the game. And I was just kind of one of the smartest guys on our teams in terms of baseball IQ and, you know, ability to understand the game. And so really got my start young. And then when I, I actually grew up in Connecticut, when I moved out here, um, I got, got started coaching little league again. And then um, a bunch of the guys that were on that team that I was coaching asked, Hey, you should try to coach at the school ball. And so I was like, okay, well, there's a junior high job open. And so I popped into Canyon park junior high in Bothell and uh, spent a couple of years there and I uh, had some pretty good teams. Um, 
crazy to think now, you know, I see these guys, that was probably 18 to 20 years ago. So seeing some of those guys that were on that first team that, um, you know, I see one of them works down at Reho and does lessons and stuff. So it's kind of cool to see that. Um, and then uh, it was 2003, I think, um, I got introduced to Craig Bishop, coach at Inglemore High School at the time, and actually does now. He took a hiatus, but he's back. And I uh, got to work a couple years with him on the varsity level and kind of really honed my craft in terms of working with some older kids um, at that point. And I was doing – I was working for Northwest Baseball Academy. I don't know if you guys know Mark Potoshnik, but – um, back in the day, Mark had an academy up in Linwood and uh, did some fall ball coaching for him and some lessons. And he kind of he introduced me to Craig. And then two years at Inglemore, um, I had interviewed at a bunch of different schools, um, interviewed at Linwood, actually uh, interviewed at Skyline, although about halfway out there, I was like, man, this drive might, might, be, <laughs> might be a little bit much every day. Um, and then the year I interviewed for like Washington, I also interviewed for Redmond and uh, it actually you know, probably worked out for both schools because both coaches are still there 15 years later. Uh, Dan Pudwell got the job at Redmond at the time, and I got the job at Lake Washington. So that was fall of two, or fall or winter of 2004, I got the job. And then um, 2005 was my first year there. And, you know, from a rewarding standpoint, I, there's a lot, right? I mean, you guys are all coaches and you know, like the off the field stuff is super, super rewarding. Um, obviously the, you know, the winning is great and we're all in it to win it. And we're super competitive guys, but you know, a few things that I really enjoy is just kind of seeing our kids obviously grow from young men to, or, you know, boys to young men. And, you know, we have a really strong little league presence in Kirkland. Um, Kirkland American little league is still going strong and they're growing. And I know a lot of little leagues are struggling, but I, I'm fortunate enough to live in an area where little league is strong or at least coach in an area where little league is strong. And our kids just are awesome about giving back, you know, last year, two years ago, you know, we kind of start, we've always run camps. We started this program where we would send the kids down there to, to two or three games a year and um, ask them to come to our games and um, ask them to, you know, interact with the kids and, and, and to sort of to see them do that and never, ever like do our kids ever complain about that. It's almost like, you know, they look forward to it. They look forward to the interaction with the kids. And um, so that part of the process is rewarding. Um, I really love, like, one of the things I tell all my players is, you know, part of the, probably the most rewarding thing is when former players come back and coach with you, um, or just coach in general. I know that we, our staff, uh, last year on the 2019 team, there was seven coaches, and I think four had played for me, um, and so not only is that a, a seamless transition in terms of what you want to teach the kids, but also just the the fact that you, you had a little, a little bit of an impact in their life to the point that they want to come back and, and, and give back. I think that's super rewarding. Um, you know, now I've been doing it long enough to, you know, have guys getting married that played for me and having kids and, you know, becoming fathers and then coaching their own kids. And so, you know, seeing that we, we started having an alumni game two or three years back, um, which at Lake Washington, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's only been two coaches at Lake Washington for the past 36, 37 years, which wow. in high school is super rare. Uh, the guy before me, uh, Dave Chambers, I think he's a Hall of Famer, um, but he coached for 23 years. And uh, and actually when I got the job, um, there, was a, there was a little bit of um, controversy, I guess you could say. The prior coach, um, the assistant coach had interviewed for the job at the same time as me and I was an awesome dude. And I thought I'd really had no shot. And they, you know, they hired me and I'm thankful that they gave me that opportunity, but it was really cool when we had the alumni game to see all these guys that I had never met 
that played for Coach Chambers come out and just speak so highly of of him and what he did with the program and just the fact that they were proud that the program was still still doing well. I mean, um, I think Coach Chambers had something like 22 consecutive winning seasons, you know, so I, I was just super fortunate to take over a program where I didn't really have to do much rebuilding. It was kind of like show up and don't screw anything up. And so thankfully I, we've been able to do a pretty good job of that. But um, that alumni game was pretty cool because I did have some of our, our own players bring the, their little kids, their daughters, their sons out there. And it's just kind of surreal, really. I don't view myself, I don't think of myself as that old. I mean, I am getting up there just like we all are, but um, you know, to see former players of mine that are married with kids and kind of having their kids come up and play is, is pretty crazy experience. And um, you know, we kind of, didn't get the chance to do it obviously with this year's seniors, but we always tell them at the end of the year, just like, regardless of if you were batting forth every day and playing, or if you were just a, a role player on the team, your value to our program and your value as a person is just, it's, it's the same. Right. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you can be an all league player, but at the end of the day, you know, when you look back and you're, you're 35 years old and you've got kids of your own, like that's really the, the important stuff. And the lessons that you learned during playing your high school and college days really, as you guys know, go a long way towards that. So um, I, that to me is probably the most rewarding part, just kind of seeing, seeing community members and leaders that have come through our program. Coach, uh, you guys have done quite well there, Lake Washington. You guys have gotten yourself a couple of state championships uh, in 16 and 2019 um, out of those two state title teams what was so unique about those two teams and and how have you guys taken those experiences to prepare each year uh, with your group of guys coming in yeah so two, 2016 obviously the first one and and actually what set that up was our 2014 team our 2014 team um, made it to the state championship game ended up losing to Ellensburg two to one uh, got beat by a one-man show I think, I <laughs> junior lead guard yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He pitched he a complete game and hit a two run home run. Yep. Lost two to one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that, that was a team that I don't think anybody really expected um, to, to get to where they got. And they kind of paved the way, I feel like. Um, it was a super, it was a team that got super hot at the end, you know, and, and a lot can be said. We were 2A then. And, you know, a lot of people were like, well, it's just 2A. Well, haven't gone through that process. I mean, when you get to the end, all the teams are really good. It doesn't matter if you're 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A. And, you know, I, can, I, I don't think there's much of a difference really between those classifications when you get to the end. You have the depth of those, of those um, classifications for sure. But so that team, you know, they, they overachieved, I would say, and kind of got hot late and, um, you know, ran into that buzzsaw. But that kind of set us up. And I did learn something as a coach that year um, that I think helped has helped us, you know, moving forward. And I think I kind of made too big of a deal about that game first time being in a state championship and you know as a coach you'd like to try you know you, you got to find your niche of when it's right to make a big impact with your with your rah-rah speech and when it's right to let the guys play loose and I feel like looking back you know I was that was our that was my first state championship coaching and I think I might have overemphasized the importance of the game when in reality everybody in the world knew it was important anyway um, mm -hmm. and so I think I've used used that to to grow as a coach. And when we got to 2016, just tried to take that one and oh mentality, that one game at a time mentality. And that, you know, the games we're still running 90 feet and we're still throwing 60 feet, six inches, regardless of the importance of the game. Um, 2016, I would say that that team 
everybody knew it was a good team going into the season. I don't know if it was, if we were the favorites for sure, but I think that certainly a contender and that team just really loved playing with each other. They just gelled towards the end of the season. And we had a lot of kids on that team that weren't highly touted, like earlier in their careers, I guess you could call them late bloomers. Um, you know, Matt Scheffler is a kid that comes to mind. He, you know, he ended up going to Pierce college and he was starting catcher for Auburn last year in the college world series. And he, and he's a kid that, you know, coming out of high school wasn't highly thought of. Um, and he's earned everything that he's gotten. And that 2016 team, I think had a lot of kids like that that had a chip on their shoulder that felt like maybe they weren't getting the looks that they wanted and didn't have the opportunities. And, you know, we had a lot of depth um, in that, in that year. And um, we actually had one kid, Paul Falco, who threw a, he threw a shutout in the Kinko championship game and he threw a shutout in the state championship game. Talk about a legendary high school moment <laughs> for him. Right. Um, so that, and, and you know, Get breaking through and winning that that state championship. I mean, it was so rewarding. It was the first one in school history, um, and just you know to have those kids get to experience that was something else. Um, you know, and then the 2019 team, last year's team. I mean, I'd be I'd be lying to say that I didn't think that. I, I think that a lot of the teams in the area probably considered us to be the most talented team last year. I think. Um, it was a team that had always stayed together. So when with, in 2016, when those kids were freshmen, um, you know, especially in the state of today's select ball where, you know, you're probably, your high school teams probably have like, you know, seven or eight, if not more different summer teams represented at the core of that team all played together from the time they were 13 or 14 to the time they were 18. Right. I mean, we had a few kids that were playing in different programs, but these, these were kids that were winning summer championships together and it was funny because, you know, obviously being involved with Seattle Elite League and, and like Washington, you know, when I was out at these tournaments, like it was always kind of like, oh man, these guys are coming. You, you're probably excited about this group, you know? And so the hard part about that, I think, is sometimes, it's, you know, when the target's on your back, it's not that easy to get through it. And those kids persevered through it. And, you know, I'll never forget our Mercer Island game in the Kinko playoffs. We ended up playing them in the first round and we were 19 and one going into that game and and they got us good at right. And we, it was like the look in their eyes was kind of a little bit shocking, right? The, you know, we're now backs against the wall. I mean, high school ball, that's how it works. So it doesn't, nobody really cares what you did in the regular season. You just get to hot at the end. Right. And so we were staring down elimination at that point. And, but that just speaks to the resiliency of those kids. We ended up winning seven straight loser out games. Um, and last year, to, to get to where we got and there, you know, very, very few of them were easy. That Eastside Catholic game um, that we, we played them in the winter state game. So the way Kinko works, we only have a few teams. Um, we only have five, three, a teams, So we only get one birth and then we have to fight for our second one. And we, you know, it's a good league. I mean, Mercer Island has won state title and has been to the state championship and we have two. So, you know, we're always like, man, we're fighting really hard for this one birth. Um, and so we ended up having to play Eastside Catholic, uh, go to in the crossover game last year. And for my mind, for my money, you know, the two best teams in the state might've been on the same field in that day and only one got to go to state. Right. And we were fortunate enough to get that win and, um, and persevere and get through. Um, but yeah, it was a team that I think had high expectations and delivered on those high expectations, which isn't always easy. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of what made those teams unique. I would say that one of the similarities between the two teams was the depth that we had, right? I mean, obviously in order to, to be successful at high school, you have to have some dudes for sure, you know, that are going to go on and play at a high level, but 
both of those teams, you know, I, I've never been around a team that was highly successful that didn't have a good depth, right? Didn't you, you know, seven, eight, nine guys that, you know, might be batting in the middle of the order for some other teams. Um, it's huge. I mean, we were deep all the way down. I mean, it was a team that ended up having 11 kids from last year's senior class play after high school, which I think as high school coaches, <laughs> you know, super fortunate to have that kind of talent on a high school team, but, um, but down to a man and, and you just never know what, what, play is going to dictate your season. I don't know if any of you guys saw the final play of last year's state championship game, but uh, it was, we were, to, we were up by a run against O'Day and they had first and second one out and hit a ground ball to second base. And we flipped a short for the first out and our shortstop savvy enough to know we didn't have the play at first. So he did the old backdoor play that you talk about and practice all the time, but never happens in the game. And he throws a strike to third base and oh. takes the kid out and we're state champs. That's so right? cool. Yeah. And wow. that's a story like, we, we played, we've practiced that play. I mean, we do that play in our pregame, right? Four times a day. So you multiply that by 25 games. It's at least a hundred times in, on game day that we've run that play. Not to mention the number of times in practice. And the only time all year that it happened was the final play of the season. So, so moving forward, a lesson for that is that I talked to our guys about is every little thing is so important. You never know when, something that it seems mundane and seems like it's not important in practice is going to dictate your season. So I'm thankful to have that lesson to talk to, to future teams about for sure. That's, I just got chills. Cause I, you know, that's always some to see a, a team not give up on the play and always get that back door out there. I just, I absolutely love that. And, you know, just trying to keep the kids going, but you know, we talk about, you know, and coaching and whatnot. And there's, you know, as we go on, we're always going to remember the stories of what had happened. We might not always remember each and every pitch, but what are some of the best stories? And you've shared a couple already or your best memory of playing in the state final four. Yeah. So uh, obviously the one from last year stands out. Right. That'll, that'll never be forgotten. <laughs> I, I did, I did think of a story when you guys sent me the, the notes on what we we're going to talk about. So our 2016 team, um, we had a kid on that roster. His name was Connor Johnson. And Connor Johnson was a kid that he came in in 2013 as a freshman. He was all league pitcher. And we get to the state final four. So he's a four-year starter. I mean, he was, he was our number one pitcher as a freshman, right? And um, he dealt with some, some injuries throughout his career, his high school career, and ended up going playing at Whitworth. But senior year, he was a starter the entire season. So keep in mind, that let's say he started, you know, eight games a year in high school. So he started 32 games in his career and has never once pitched out of the bullpen for us. Mm-hmm. And we get to the state final four. And basically, he wasn't going to be one of our two starters, right? And so we get to the semifinals against Kennewick, and our starter who had um, – sorry, against Southridge. We had beaten Kennewick the weekend before. But um, our starter, who just threw a gem the week before, didn't necessarily have it. He wasn't on. And, uh, you know, we decided to, to go to Connor in the fifth inning of that game, and he proceeded to throw five shutout innings out of the bullpen, his first relief appearance of his career. Right. Talk about selfless, like a kid that could have been pissed off that he wasn't starting in that that weekend. And somebody that was a major part of our program, just the selflessness to do what it takes to come out of the bullpen. And we were down at the time and he kept us in the game and ended up winning that game. And like to me, that's just a, a true team player. Right. Somebody that, you know. And I tell these kids all the time, like, I don't want you to love the role that you're in if it's not the role that you want. But you got to play it to the best of your ability. Right. Like. It's okay to be upset with me as the coach and, and think that I'm wrong. And I hope you prove me wrong. 
right? And but kids always take it one of two ways, and you know, you you hope that they all respond like Connor did, right? In a way that, um, you know, I, I'm going to do what's best for the team. I'm going to come out. I'm going to take the ball out of the bullpen, and I'm going to keep us in this game and and allow us to get to the state championship game. That's something I'll never forget, and that's something I tell. You know, I'll tell that story for as long as I coach, right? Is that it doesn't matter like what you what you perceive your role should be. Like you never know when it's going to be your turn, and you're either going to be ready or not based on how you handle it. And obviously, he handled it extremely well, and was a key reason that we won that state championship. So, yeah, I think the tough thing sometimes is that <clears throat> we share that message with guys and, and talk about as a team that you know everyone's role is important. If you're a pinch hitter, if you're a platoon outfielder if you're a relief guy or middle relief closer whatever um but it's sometimes hard to see it you know and and I think when you get yourself in a position where not only your team's had success where it's you know a little bit easier for guys to accept those roles because the team's winning and I'm happy and and all that um but when you have those individual stories of guys you're going to have another Connor Johnson in the future right it's going to go through the same thing and whether you connect the two on the phone and have them talk or, or just share the story, you now have that firsthand experience and evidence. And, you know, we're all looking for that impact, right. And, and to share something meaningful and to have meaningful conversations because players are smart enough nowadays to know when you're, when you're telling them lies, but when you can look guys right. straight in the face and say, Hey, this is what you could be, um, be ready for it and, and be excited for it. You know, hopefully it's a little bit easier for them to handle at that point in time. Definitely agree so uh let's talk a little bit about the shutdown I I know it's probably the one thing that in doing this for however many weeks I think we're episode 24 now shout out to junior hey um (laughs) that's right uh you know I'm a little tired of talking about the shutdown but but I think everyone has their own impact and story and message to to move on but but talk about some of those key things you know what's what have you kind of had to battle battle through maybe from a personal standpoint, from a team standpoint, and, and what's kind of been the toughest part for you to, to manage through all this shutdown? Yeah. I mean, we're all kind of dealing with it in our own different ways and it's been challenging for sure. I, you know, at first when it happened, you kind of were like, okay, is this going to be a week? You know, like we, I remember we got through our first week and we played our inner squad and then we getting ready to practice on Monday. I think it was. Um, and my AD basically was like, Hey, you know, we're, we're kind of about to have something hit here and you're going to have to shut things down. And, um, and so at the time you don't really know how long and, um, and every district handled things a lot differently too. Like, I don't know, um, you know, Lake Washington school district, obviously, you know, they, they've been super supportive of us, but they, they um, you know, for coaches that they, they didn't necessarily let us connect with our kids virtually for a while. Mm. Um, mm. And because I'm not in building, I think their priority was to get the teachers be able to connect with the kids, which is obviously the first priority. Um, but it took, it took us a while to be able to actually communicate with our kids other than via email. Right. And I mean, kids aren't really checking their email that often. Let's, let's be honest. Right. I mean, it's a good life skill to teach them, you know, and hopefully maybe that during this process, they're learning that a little bit, but there you go. to ask a 16 year old kid to kind of be on his email all the time when he's probably got 17 different apps that he's checking before he checks his email. Right. Uh, none of which we can use as a coach, of course. Right. So, um, so that was challenging for us and our coaches because we felt like we lost connection with the kids to be quite honest. Um, and, um, and so once we got that back, we had a couple meetings with them and it really, the other challenge was, um, you know, so obviously for our seniors, like, 
you really wanted to be sensitive in those meetings to like what they were going through. I mean, that was our biggest priority. Like we knew that we weren't that by the time we got the, um, the access to meet, meet virtually with the kids. Um, we had already, we knew our season was over, right? Like they had already, the BIA already come out and canceled it. So as opposed to trying to like, Hey, we got to make sure that we're getting ready for coming back. It kind of transitioned to, Hey, let's honor these kids that were part of the program that didn't get a chance to, you know, show their stuff. And this year's group of seniors, um, if you don't mind, I just want to speak about them for a minute because we have, th we had 13 seniors this year wow. and we had 13 last year, right. On a pretty successful team. And, and the, in the state championship game last year, we started every kid that stepped on the field from pinch runner to starting pitcher to relief pitcher was a senior. Oh, wow. Like the entire starting lineup was seniors. And so like, that's a unique situation. So this year's group, unfortunately had the, a lot of these kids had to wait their turn. Like a lot of these kids were JB players last year. And so they didn't even ever get the chance to be varsity players in our program. And that to me was what hurt the most. And on, and on a personal level between myself and those players, like I didn't necessarily get to connect with them as much as I would have liked to. Right. I mean, I, I, I think we do a pretty good job in our program of um, all coaches coach all kids so we're not like we don't go separately and only have a varsity practice and C team comes in later and JB comes in later of course we stagger some things here and there but um, we try and make it a program feel you know and so that the the, the last kid that made the C team like I'm still impacting that kid and our C team coach has an impact on our varsity players but you know how it is I mean you develop a, a relationship with these kids through being with them every day individually and I never got that chance with a lot of these kids and they never got that chance to shine and it's that's to me is the part that hurts the most um you know they grew you know a lot of them grew up loving the sport and loving Kang's baseball and you know I'm very fortunate uh Lake Washington we actually you know we play in downtown Kirkland where and we get a lot of fans it's it's not like a, it's it's a really unique and different experience. I mean, when we play Juanita, who's the other Kirkland team, or we play Marshall Island, there, there could be 600, 700 people down there. Um, and so like those kids never really got that, that experience of being a true like Washington Kang. Right. And so like, I, so we, to your point, we, we kind of made our focus in those meetings about them, right. As much as possible and, and trying to get the younger kids to understand how much of an important part of the program th these kids were, even if they, never necessarily had their chance to see their name on a, on a varsity lineup card or, you know, have that big at bat late in the game. So um, it was really hard. And, and, and as a coach, I was fighting like, okay, how much do I want to focus and dwell on them knowing that, you know, like, and I can't, we also did our, our team meeting on, um, on teams and not zoom, which I don't know if you've used that, but it's not quite as visual um, like you can't like on zoom, it's cool. You can see the 25 or 30 kids that are in the meeting, like on teams, it, it's not that way. It's a little bit more like who's talking is on the screen and everybody else kind of in the background. So we didn't even get that like reaction or get, get a chance to see the kids individually. So, you know, we tried, we tried our best to, you know, honor those kids and get, give them a proper send off. And with, with the rest of the kids, it's kind of was really like just understand the sacrifice that these kids had to make this year and don't take the game for granted moving forward. Um, so it was really less about like getting them ready because we just, we as a high school program really didn't have any games left. It was more about like, what does it mean to be a part of this program and, you know, thank these seniors for leading the way and um, let's keep our fingers crossed on having a summer season. Um, so it, it was, it was definitely a different experience. And I think we're all learning 
um, that there's positives and negatives to this kind of communication. I think, I think as a coach, I, I, I do say there's, there's a lot of things that we can do virtually that can help. I think, um, you know, being able to, you know, I know one of our assistant coaches with his summer teams, he's showing ABCA videos to their kids right now. Right. And trying to keep them involved and maybe learning a little bit different way than they're used to. Um, but yeah, it's, it was, it was tough and, and like trying to find that right balance of honoring the seniors and keeping them invested, but, you know, talking to the underclassmen too, and letting them know that, you know, like you said, it's, you can't take this for granted anymore. I think, I think that, a lot of that resonates me personally talk about guys not having ever having their opportunity, you know, at, at Woodenville uh, myself, you know, I didn't play varsity baseball till my senior year. And, and I hadn't really put in that perspective before that, if I would have been in this type of year, yeah. my career path is probably absolutely completely 180, you know, and, and to not be where I'm at would be somewhat disappointing and being able to continue to do that. But, you know, there's probably a story or two within those 13 that maybe is going to go a different way now. Um, but we've talked in the past just about how much more of an impact these individuals can have with just this experience of having something taken away and, whether they're getting a coaching or, or work in the business world or raise phenomenal families, you know, they're going to have that solid perspective for the rest of their life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, and, you know, I think we can all relate to this when we talk to future teams and we're going through what we consider adversity, right. You think about <laughs> what these seniors had to deal with, right. <laughs> like you know, there should, there should never have to be any like rah, rah speeches about all oh, this, you know, adversity at this point, like true adversity, nothing compared to what some of these former players have to go through right and kelly I, like to your point that that to me like that that fit that your story of not playing varsity till senior year that fits with nine of those kids hmm. right like you know uh, there was a there was some of them that were on that team for sure and the, there was a couple of kids that had an impact earlier in the year um but you know, there was seven or eight of those kids that man just they were just dying for their chance and never got it. That to me is the hardest part, you know. Right. Yeah, and I've said it to other people in conversations that you know, I think it's hard from a recruiting standpoint, and I'll hit on this a little bit, you know, moving forward in this podcast. But um, you know, I've I've encouraged so many guys to continue and try to give themselves a chance to play another year. You know, I I, I was a product of the of the JUCO system. Um, and it was a part of not getting a ton of looks and, and ended up working out for me and fought like hell and, and ended up earning a spot out of it. But if, if you have that drive and that passion, you know, don't, don't just throw it away. I mean, you're going to be so much more motivated going to the fall than maybe some other kid that's been signed, you know, you can show up at a junior college, go to the first day of tryouts and, and be a bat, bat out of hell and, and try to find that opportunity to keep playing and, and, even if it's only a week at tryouts, you know, give yourself that chance and that shot and just know that you hung it out there. Yeah, absolutely. The, the number of kids that have in our programs, you know, in my 15 years there that didn't have a chance until April or May of their senior year to get a shot. I mean, shoot, Paul Falco, the guy I talked about earlier that, um, you know, threw the shutout in the state championship game and the Kinko championship game, he didn't sign until late April of his senior year. Matt Scheffler, same thing, right? Those kids just, the, that senior year is needed for some of those guys. And I, I hope to your point that they do stick with it. I think it's, you know, I worry a little bit about, especially our younger kids in our program, um, actually not even in our program, but like the seventh, eighth, you know, sixth graders that like they're getting their season taken away from them. And, um, you know, you're like at that age, you're always fighting to try and keep as many kids playing baseball as possible. And 
a lost season. I'm, you know, I want to make, like, I've been trying, I've actually connected as much with those kids, like our little league kids that I have with our high school kids, to be honest with you, just to try and, you know, encourage them to keep going and that we'll get back on the field here soon. And um, because, you know, obviously they, they, most of those kids are playing basketball, playing football, which is great. And we want them to keep playing all those sports going forward, but I, I just don't want them to give up on baseball because they missed the season. And now it's like, well, mate, did I really miss it? You know, I, I think mm-hmm. that's, we're trying to keep those kids playing as long as possible. So, well, that's I was exactly what I was just about to ask you because I know that I'm worried too. I think that there's a generation that <clears throat> that this was the year that you know, say we do make a playoff run this year, and we connect with those four or five kids that are might be in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade right now. Well, yep. this is what coyote baseball is all about, right? And yeah, absolutely, that, that really does worry uh, worry for me. So well, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we were able to have enough of a connection with those kids and they love it enough. And again, like I said, we're fortunate enough that we do kind of play in a baseball hotbed, I guess mm-hmm. you would say for our youth, but like our little league is super strong. So I'm, I'm banking on that, but I'm also trying to reach out to them and keep them going. So. Hey, Banter fans. This is Sean Thompson, the head coach at Columbia Burbank high school. You're listening to PNW Fungo Banter. Go Yotes. Well, we're going to roll into our seventh inning stretch part. And we got a lot of great questions here for you. And I've been going through this list and the one we're going to ask you first, but you know, we were just talking about it a little bit and what are some of the ways moving forward that you guys are planning on getting your top guys exposed to colleges? Uh, you know, like we said, with many COVID-19 restrictions that have taken place. Yeah. So obviously video is a huge thing now. Um, and you know, it's, it, this situation I think is, is proving the power of social media in a positive way for recruiting and for baseball players, right? Like, you know, the stuff that flat ground has flat ground apps been doing and, the, and like the ability for kids to, you know, put their stuff out there and get seen, I think is super important. And, you know, I, you know, I've been talking with a lot of guys about, you know, what's the best route you think, you know, to get your guys looked at. And, you know, now we know that, you know, from a division one standpoint, obviously nothing can happen until August 1st, but, um, you know, trying to essentially like I, I'm trying to work on our recruiting database for our, our kids and get as much information out as possible, connect with them and see uh, how, how like what are their goals, right? We have those kids fill out a goal sheet at the beginning of every year and we actually didn't get to do that this year. I sent it out via email and I got a few responses, but uh, like I said, email is not necessarily the best form of communication with these kids, but um, <laughs> just trying to like – for, for our program, trying to like provide our coaching staff as a resource for them, right? I'm meeting with a family on Tuesday of a freshman that they're interested about what the process is like. And so trying to stay engaged as much as possible with them, um, you know, uh, video, like the people can send video in, I can send it out to the people that I know. Um, every year, I, I'm sure that Kelly's seen one of these emails that I've sent out in the past, but I always kind of take my uncommitted kids and I put together an email that just basically says, Hey, this is what they do. This is who they are, the GPA, all that kind of stuff. And so um, including video with that, of course, you know, in this case, I think is important. We did this year's senior class was a little bit unique in that a lot of them were, were basically going to hang it up after this year. Um, Mm -hmm. And this season might've changed that, you know, maybe they had a season where they did really well and a Juco came calling and maybe they reconsidered. And I'm, I'm, unfortunately, they didn't get that chance. But um, a lot of these kids have a lot of awesome opportunities in college, going to Chapman University, going to UW, Wazoo. And it's like they, they, they're just content with it. Um, you know, and I've kind of just, you know, I, I kind of talked to them about what Kelly said and like, hey, if you want to keep going, let me know and trying to help those kids that do. Um, but mostly the underclassmen and, and it, 
as a high it, it's it's so funny because high school coaches i think you know they have a unique ability to connect with recruiting recruiters and that they have they get a lot more of like the who the kid is because you have him every day and you know what kind of student he is you know what kind of family he is and in the summer it's mostly about like the kid just shows up and plays for two and a half hours and then goes home right you don't get that that daily practice routine where you can get to see how hard the kid works and and those types of things and so i trying to you know, be an advocate for as many of my kids as I possibly can, um, knowing that even if they do get a summer season this year, it's going to be abbreviated and short. And there's, you know, might not be as many people watching them as they're that normally they get that opportunity. Um, and so I think just being creative and utilizing the, the technology that we have. Um, and again, it, like, it's not like I can ask like seven kids to meet me up at the school right now and hit and get some video of them. I can't. Right. And so, um, you know, it's really reliant. It's a, it's a lot of self-reliance on these kids. Um, you know, and I actually, so like I, like speaking personally, I have a freshman that goes to Monroe high school. Um, and then I've got an 11 year old boy as well. Um, and then I've got a 13 year old daughter. And so, and she's a basketball player, but the two boys are baseball players. And I'm, I, I heard a lot when the, when the shutdown happened about like, well, it's just another opportunity for these kids to get in the cage and grind and work on. And, and part of me was like, yeah, sure. But the other part of me is like, these kids just spent four months in the cage all winter doing the, that exact same thing. And now we're just telling them, that, oh, don't worry about it. Just get back in the cage and work. It's not that easy. Mm-hmm. Like nobody, nobody hits in the cage for four months just so they can hit in the cage for three <laughs> more months. You know, when I was doing lessons, I would always, I always would tell the kids that nobody, you know, Nobody comes in here three times a week to hit the ball to the back of the net. And that's the goal. The goal is to get better in the games. Right. And you're doing this as a motivating tool so that when you get to the games, it's there. And like, so I actually kind of took my, with my own kids, I kind of stepped back a little bit and was kind of like, you know, work as much as you want to work. But like when the time comes and you got to get back at it for sure. But I don't, I, I, my biggest fear is how long can you go without games until you, you don't love it anymore? Right. If all you're doing is hitting off of a tee or throwing a ball into a net, like that's not baseball. I mean, it, it helps you get better and it's an important part of the development process. But that's my biggest fear with this whole thing is like without the games to I mean, if we go through a summer where there's no baseball, like, man, that's a long time to grind. Right? <laughs> it's a long time to be in the cage without without a payoff. You know, and a lot of the coaches, I actually had the chance to coach some uh, basketball this this uh, winter at Monroe as C team coach and. Um, and so I, you know, on Twitter, I started following a lot of basketball coaches and trying to learn a little bit more about it. And that's kind of where that's coming from. Hey, get in the gym, get your shots. It's a great opportunity. That's all well and good for kids that just had a three month season. Like they just mm-hmm. t- done playing games. You're trying to tell my kids who haven't had a chance to play a game since last July that, oh, just get in the cage. It's fine. Right. Like, and so I, I've tried to, it's, it's kind of a different message than what I normally send because I'm usually like, Hey, you got to work for it. And you do. And I'm not trying to deny that, but I also think there's something to be said for like the payoff that they didn't get. Right. They didn't get a chance to see the four months of hard work pay off. They just got the four months of hard work turned into three more months of hard work. You know, well, I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but <laughs> totally. And it's something we've talked about in almost every episode on why the Pacific Northwest is what it is. Exactly like you said, hey, we just told a kid to, to grind all winter, and now the sun's out, and it's nice. Right. And the snow's gone <laughs> right. away, and the rain's kind of stopped for a while. Get get back in the cage, guys. And then if you tell them that all fall and all winter with no games, they're going to look at you like, coach, no. Right. <laughs> like, this right. is miserable. And I right. totally – And my, my, my 11-year-old, it's like the last thing I want for him is to 
feel like it's boring or feel yeah. like it's like it's mm-hmm. like why and so i just kind of backed off and you know I'll, I'll encourage him here and there to get out and i'll play catch with him all the time you know whenever he wants to but i also am trying to not be that like you know hey working out five times a week kind of thing <laughs> knowing that there's no base like until once we once we know when we're going to get back on the field it's a little bit different right right but with those all with all this unknown and it, it's it's difficult so we've talked right. a lot too about just that <clears throat> you know, the access to things too. I mean, there's not every kid has the net in the backyard or the TV. Right. You can't get on the schools right now and do stuff. So, and I think that's the problem with our sport too, is that it's a very, especially in our area now, it's a very expensive access oriented deal that to play, you know, summer ball is a, you know, a very, very large expense. So for a lot of those high school guys, you know, some of that's their only, only opportunity, especially at, schools across the state um, that maybe don't have the same select system or, or opportunities. So, I mean, there's a lot of kids that, that really rely on this season and, and they're not used to that cage mentality, you know? So what are, are those guys doing to kind of separate themselves? But I, I think, you know, doing something different that you normally wouldn't do in a winter season is obviously where you can better yourself. And we talk about um, social media and, and the amount of ABCA information out there and, and whether it's mental game or, you know, pitch repertoire, just little things that you can pick up right now that maybe in a, in a playing season you wouldn't be focused on um, or in a training setting you wouldn't be focused on. So trying to do things a little bit different, um, obviously going to help you out. Definitely. Good points. Um, you know, Coach, to add to that, it's kind of like the analogy of a, you go to work for somebody – and you've worked for them for so many years, you're not getting a pay raise, you know, eventually you're pretty much going to be looking for another place of occupation, really, you know, and I, I totally agree with that. You know, I have an eight-year-old son and he's missing baseball bad, you know, and the big thing is that, you know, every time, every once in a while, like you do with your your boys, you're just, hey, let's go out and play some catch and or let's go out and hit. And, but I've kind of just let him you know, keep that interest, you know, and you go out and play some little backyard baseball, little wiffle ball. But, you know, that that's my fear as well. You know, you, you just get to the point where you just grind and grind and grind. And it's like, why? You know, and I just we do it as adults. You know, we go into a place of work and it's the same constant thing over and over. And the boss says, yeah, you just keep doing this, keep doing that. Eventually you're going to have. Well, how long do you go before you just say, you know what? I need I got better you know, places to go where I can grow, you know, so. Definitely. It'd be like preparing for a test for like a month and then the teacher keeps moving the test out a month and you got to like, oh, you got to keep studying, keep studying. Okay. Well, eventually I'm going to stop studying. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's Jeez. just human nature. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's, let's talk uh, for some people that maybe don't uh, are familiar with, with some other things that you do apart from Lake Washington is, is being involved with the Seattle elite league. Um, as one of the co-owners of that and operators of that. Um, but, but maybe talk to us now that we've gone past that high school season, we should be, you know, knee deep right now in, in our summer ball season, which, which hasn't happened yet, but um, for, for how much you guys provide in the area from baseball from, you know, nine U up to 18 U in the summer ball setting um, you know, what's kind of the status of, of, of the, the league and the tournaments this summer and, and maybe what are you looking for on the horizon um, before we can get back going? 
Yeah, so um, I think we mentioned it before the call. Um, super, super unique situation. And I feel like I'm half politician and, and half like, you know, planner, like, you know, as, as a league and tournament director, like some of the stuff that I signed up to do, you know, I'm, I'm used to talking to coaches, building schedules, connecting with umpires. And a lot of the stuff that we're doing now is, is, is kind of foreign to me. It's like, it's a joke with my wife and, and my buddies a lot about like, I'm just as busy with no season as I am with the season. Right. Like it's just different busy. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really trying to take for Seattle elite. We're trying to take a measured approach. And I know that um, a lot, you know, see a lot of these, you know, cancellations of summer leagues for colleges and uh, you know, Cape Cod league canceled MLB struggling to get on the field. You know, we're just, a, it's just a, it's a lot different. Like the logistics that it takes for us to have a league game is so much different than it's, than it is to get on a plane and go play somebody else. And so, you know, sometimes you hear the arguments like, why are you guys fighting so hard to have a season? I mean, Major League Baseball is not even playing. Well, our kids don't have to get on a plane and go to 20 different cities to play their season. They just got to get in their car and drive 10 minutes to the field, right? And so, it's, so we're trying to do our best and, and um, take a measured approach and not cancel things too far out. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors at play. Um, you know, number one, to the stuff we were just talking about, how much are kids doing right now? And you know, to have them go from the couch or doing something maybe once or twice a week to expect them to play a five games in three days scenario, that's not realistic, right, in our mind. And it's and quite frankly, it's not going to be allowed anyway, based on the phase approach that we have. So we've been talking to teams on a weekly basis and, and um, just some background on Seattle Elite League. We, we do have, we have over 200 teams that play in our league from 18U down to 11U. Um, and so you know, they, and they all want answers and I don't really have them. So it's kind of, it's, it's been a little bit difficult, like working through that process. We've, we've just really worked hard on trying to have as much ready to go as possible when they say we can get back on the field. So um, we've, we have an advisory board um, that's made up of about eight to 10 other organizations in the league. And we've, we've been meeting with them pretty regularly to develop some return to play protocol um, stuff that we're going to have to do. You know, we're not, you know, when we get back on the field, the, the game itself, we want to be the game of baseball, right? We're not trying to like make any changes about, hey, there's a no no stealing or anything like that to prevent. Like by the time we get to phase three, the hope is that you can, you know, you you can social distance as much as you can, but obviously there's going to be situations in the game, whether it's leading off first base or bang bang play at second, you're just not going to be able to avoid. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this article. There was a, a fan graphs article where uh, one of their writers actually went through an entire game. This is probably about two and a half months ago, but he went through an entire baseball game and he basically paused it anytime that he saw there were guys that were six feet apart. And he basically provided this, like this, it was, I think it was meant to be a little bit over the top, but he provided all these solutions like, Hey, we could have a, a runner's base and a fielder's base. And so the runner runs to one base, but the fielder runs to another. And like, and, and like, it was like to the point where I, I got halfway through the article, I have to stop reading. I'm like, if we have to make all these changes, then we shouldn't be playing. <laughs> right. right. Like, and I, I think, I think our kids are, are, are dying to get on the field. Um, but I also don't, I don't like, there's a couple things for me. Like, I, I don't know that it's, you know, obviously we're going to do what we have to do to be safe, but if we're throwing, like if kids have to throw masks on to play, like, is that is it really safe to be out there playing? Yeah. I don't know. You know? And I think, like there, there's a certain point where it's not safe, but we're hoping that when we do get to, to phase three and we are able to have some recreational activities at up to 50 people, 
we've got some policies in place in terms of where kids will be, you know, probably not all gathering in the dugout together, probably using the bleacher area to spread out and fans um, outside the outfield fence and kind of down the lines as opposed to in the bleachers. And we've met with our umpire group a couple of times and they basically asked us to put that in place permanently. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke right and hey, we don't you know if the fans outside the outfield fence it sounds great to us and you know it's right. too sometimes right um so so we've got we have some things in place that we that we think are safe um and we're, we're working with government officials to make sure that it's it's kind of aligned with what what they're going to allow during that time um but just not really making any changes to the game so so the key right now is we've encouraged all the teams to reach out to their families and, and make sure that number one, I mean, first and foremost, make sure that your families are comfortable returning to the field, right? Cause if Kelly, if you've got a team of 12 players and four of those families aren't, don't feel comfortable, whether it's their personal beliefs on the situation, or maybe they live with, with family members that are at risk people, your, your team goes from 12 to eight really fast. And all of a sudden you've got to find something to do for those eight kids. So that's the first step that we've asked all the teams to do is kind of have that conversation. We gave them, our distancing guidelines and kind of what we're trying to do um, as a guide to meet with their teams and, and, and walk them through it. Um, and then secondly, encouraging the kids to be as active as possible, right? Obviously you can't, there's certain things you can't do. I mean, to Kelly, your point, like not everybody has that net in the backyard or the ability to play catch with a sibling, right? And so it's trying to be creative there. When we get to phase two, we've encouraged the teams to you know, phase two is, is supposedly is going to allow for uh, recreation with up to five people at once that are outside of your household. So um, be creative with small group settings, right? So if your team has 15 players, maybe you bring them out for five guys at a time for 45 minutes and really focus on the arms. I think that's the most important thing. Like the quality of play, if we get back on the field this year, I think has to be secondary to the safety of the kids, right? And as a coach, like I, I know we all want to win and we're all competitive, but the, the bottom line is, if we can get these kids back on the field safely and the, and maybe it's not as sharp as we want it to be as a coach because they haven't had those live at bats or they haven't taken ground balls in a while, but they still get to play and they play safely. I think that's a win for all of us at this point. Right. Um, and so we're asking people to kind of look at it in that way. I mean, now that being said, when you get on the field and you're being competitive, of course, there's, there's always that, you know, there's always going to be that competitiveness to it. And we're not saying that that's not important, but um really trying to prepare the arms and the pitchers for the most part. And, and just all the players are getting back into physical shape to play. And that's where I think um, we were talking about it a little bit, like that phase three, I personally don't see tournaments coming back at that point. Um, not the, not the way you typically see them, right? Maybe if you had an 18 tournament where you're playing at two different sites and there's only one game going on at a field at a given time, and you can control that number of 50 or less people, but we don't like, especially for the youth tournaments where you've got, you know, four games going on at the same park and you got the little fourplex and there's families walking around like that stuff's not going to be till phase four in our opinion. Right. And so for league play where that, I personally think that that actually helps in terms of kind of getting kids back on the field, because like we were saying, maybe you're only playing two games a week the first week. And so you're, you're actually kind of really ramping yourself up instead of just, Hey, we're going to throw our team into a tournament after doing nothing for three months. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but we're really, you know, so we have plans um, and I, I could see tournaments coming back in phase four, which, you know, it's tough to put dates on anything. And the challenge is it's going to be county by county now. So just based on where, you, where your team is home, is home, that their home base is and their home field. Um, but so for us, we've, we've just we've communicated with the league on a weekly basis and kind of let everybody know our plans. And now 
basically everybody's getting back to us to say, hey, yeah, we're in for the plan if we can get back on the field. Um, definitely going to be different. And it's the logistics are difficult, but we love the, we all love the game enough that we'll put the time in logistically to get the kids back on the field and get some baseball going. So, well, in your yeah, comment, logistically, and the people I've talked to, they've, I think the biggest worry right now is just the access to facilities. Um, you know, in, in whether it's school district or a community park, that there's a lot of different decision makers involved with that. And it's not all going to go back to 100% where all those fields and facilities are available to us. But I know you've talked a little bit about some of your advocacy stuff that you've done um, in your area. You know, what, what can people do, whether it's, whether it's in, in King Pierce, Nahomish or, or, you know, Eastern Washington, some of those other areas, you know, what can they do to advocate to um, get guys and kids back on the field in the Northwest? So, yeah, um, I appreciate you asking that question because it really is going to be a team effort. You know, like we, I think first off, let me just say this, right? Like, I think safety has got to be the first priority, right? Of course. And like, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say none of the stuff that we're doing is to lessen the impact of what's going on. Right. I think that we're just all trying to do our part to be safe and to, to make sure that it can, that baseball can return responsibly. My biggest fear, to be honest with you, is the longer this goes on and you're already kind of seeing it, kids, kids and teams are going to start getting together in an unorganized fashion and, and doing things. And I think one of the things that, that, that I know I've talked, you know, I've, I've emailed with the Washington Youth Soccer Association president as well. And it's one of the things I think is really important is if there's no, if there's no regulation now it's just the wild west and and like then it, then it's really not safe right i mean and so we're we're trying to you know work with the government officials and 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 youth sports is important in our opinion and is it as important as safety of of the community no but it's also not not important if that makes sense and so we're trying to you know go in and so i think uh, you know from an advocacy standpoint i think what First and foremost, I think you have to acknowledge the seriousness of the situation before you go in it. Like if you're just going into your city council and you're blasting them and demanding them that they open their fields because these kids need to play baseball, I think that's the wrong approach. I think the best approach is acknowledging the seriousness of the situation, but also acknowledging the fact that, hey, we're working with a group that is trying to bring this back safely. And all that we're asking is that these communities follow the government's guidelines. So if the governor is going to allow outdoor activities to happen of up to 50 people in phase three, we're just asking for the facilities to allow that to happen. Um, and so, so firstly, like I said, acknowledge the situation, but I think you have to play an active role if you want your, your teams to get back on the field. I don't think we're, if we just sit around and we don't, and we just kind of wait to see what happens. I think it's going to be a lost summer, to be honest with you. And it might be anyway, right? We might not get to a, a, a point as a society and as a community that it's safe to be out there. And if that's the case, then we'll we'll do what is necessary. But if we just sit around and wait and uh, um, for our like cities and school districts and jurisdictions to make decisions, I think it, I think that it'll be a lot harder for us to get to return and get back out there. And I can use, I'll use the city of Kirkland example, Kelly, cause I think you mentioned that earlier. Um, they had a, um, they put together a, a, a resolution that was basically based on some budgetary things and some uncertainty, they were gonna shut down field use until September 1st, um, regardless of whatever phase the government was in. And um, kind of got wind of that just because, you know, coaching at Lake Washington, that's the Kirkland community. 
Um, and so there was some really good, like um, some uh, groundswell of support from like the little leagues uh, in Kirkland and a few of the select organizations. And, you know, we, as Seattle elite, we sent in our plan, you know, that kind of shows like what, what guidelines we're going to play by and everything. And, uh, and we kind of had that same kind of message of, Hey, be positive, you know, but stand up for your, for your kids. If you truly believe that they should get back out there and, uh, they had a city council meeting uh, a few days later, and they uh, at that meeting they said that they received 206 emails from the community, um, from little league parents, uh, little league players, you know, uh, coaches, community leaders, and and they basically saw the importance of this to the community, and they made an amendment to their resolution to allow for fields to be reserved once we get to phase three. So, like that that to me that needs to happen everywhere because. If the, if the if the community doesn't know the importance of it, like it, it's going to be, like it's going to be the easy thing to do. Just say, hey, we're just going to you know keep it safe and keep people off of our fields, and um, you know, and it's going to be challenging for sure because like we like we talked about, there's going to be a lot of people that are requesting field time and want to get back out there. But I think if you like just speaking to the general public here, right? If you can be professional and, and courteous and acknowledge the situation, but also stand up for your kids really is what we're doing. Right. I mean, I'm not, nobody I think is in this game, you know, for their own egos. I mean, I think there, you know, there's some here and there, but the majority of us are in it for the kids and the fact that the, the game got taken away from the kids is the hardest part. Right. I, you know, I've, I love baseball as much as the next guy, but like it's, it's hitting me home a lot more that my kids can't play than I can't coach. Right. That's so true. You know, it is, it really, it really is. It's, it's just, it's, uh, you know, we sit here and we, we fortunately had the opportunity to talk about baseball, you know, but I think all of us would rather be on that field impacting and changing those kids' lives for, for community service, you know, and, and equipping them for, you know, for the betterment of society, you know, as, as their coach. And, you know, it, it, uh, it it's um, it's so good that we take the time to discuss these things because I think that's how we grow. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so tired of talking about COVID and the shutdowns and all these other things. But how else do you grow if all you're doing is just keeping your mouth shut? You know, if your information is, is, is instilled in me to make my thoughts and so that I can put an adequate decision together you know and I think is that as we should do that we're challenging them each other you know and I think that is the key is as coaches if we really want to get it back on the field we do got to be advocating for our kids you know and, and, and I know it's easier when you have your own because you really do it's the fight you know you, you want everything's what's best for your kids but you know and I think there's coaches out there without kids they feel the same way but you know honestly that in order to get the ball moving you know, they're looking at the overall safety of, of the general public, you know, and they don't Correct. see it as the importance of what the, what's really being missed. And when they hear that from coaches or parents or, you know, any, you know, some of the athletes, it's they begin to think and say, wow, OK, these moves are going to be super impactful. We need to reanalyze. We need to rethink these things. And so I want to ask you, coach, um, I know the WIA has been discussing a lot of things and the possibilities of you know, when do we have another startup? Do we, you know, keep things as normal? Do we have football in the fall? Do we, do we move uh, football to spring to baseball in the fall? So, you know, as, as we're kind of gathering information and dialoguing here, you know, and as we, we're growing with information as coaches, I want to ask you, 
what's your thoughts on the situation with the WIA possibilities of having baseball this coming this fall? Yeah. So I'm a little bit mixed on it. Um, <laughs> and the reason being is I don't want to miss another season. Right. And I think I understand what, what, what the WIA is looking at and the importance of, of, of football and, and their overall budgeting. And, and, and obviously it's a revenue generating sport that baseball probably isn't. And, um, but in my mind, it's a little bit, and I don't want to speak out of term, but it's a little bit of like making baseball a sacrificial lamb. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if we, if we move football to the spring, there's a much better chance of that happening. And, and if we move baseball to the fall and we lose baseball again, at least we're not losing our, losing our revenue stream. Now, I don't think it's all about that, you know, and I'm not trying to, like I said, speak out of turn here, but I, I, <laughs> I think it's important that we, you know, if, if let's just put it this way, I don't know if we're going to be back in school in the fall, you know, where we're at, I'm, I'm hopeful that we are, but I don't know if that's the case. And I know if we're not back in school, we're not playing sports. Um, and to move us to move any, any spring sport track and field, uh, boys, soccer, baseball, golf, and something to move anybody, to this fall and risk losing another season, I think is, would be a short-sighted decision. Now, if you're confident that you can get back on the field and maybe, maybe part of it is, Hey, we know baseball is, is a more socially distant sport than football. And so it's got a better chance of playing in the fall. Um, if that's the case, then okay. You know, and obviously if there's baseball in the fall from the WIA, I'll be out there. I'll be excited to get back on the field sooner. I just don't, I don't want to lose another season because you know, like, I mean, shoot, I mean, we think it's far away. Tomorrow's June 1st. Yeah. You know, th- we're three months from Labor Day, right? <laughs> and so we're basically three months away, like, from starting fall sports. And actually, I think it's a little bit less than that because I do believe they start practicing in August, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So two and a half months from now, I mean, where are we going to be? Are we going to be ready to go in all parts of our state? And if some parts aren't ready, what does that mean? Does Do some communities get to play while others don't? So I, I'm a little, I'm, I would prefer to keep it in the spring for sure. Um, just because I think we have a chance to get back on the field and like, I can't imagine going through this with the seniors again. Like this has been so painful for, for them way more for them than me, but just empathizing with them. Right. Like, and so now you've got basically juniors that don't get a junior season or a senior season. No, 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 thanks. Right. I'd rather, I'd rather stay in the spring and know that we've got a much better chance of getting back on the field, even if it means we're waiting 21 months from the last time we played a high school game. I think that I'm okay with that, just to ensure we get back on the field. So I just, and, and, and you know, the WIA stuff, they, they've got hard decisions to make. And it's, I don't envy the position that they're in for sure. Um, and I don't, I, I'm sure you guys might've saw um, the Centralia, Centralia School District, I think, put something out about maybe canceling their, or it's on the table to cancel high school sports and, you know, they're not going to be the last I'm sure to have that kind of discussion based on the budgets. And so, you know, I understand that budgeting is super important and, you know, we all love baseball, but we know it doesn't make the money that football or basketball makes at the high school level, just in terms of, you know, people coming in and it probably costs the school's money to run these programs, but we all can speak to the importance of it. And so anything that we can do to ensure that we have a season for those kids that just lost one, I think is super important. I'm totally with you on that because I know a lot of people in our valley. I don't know if you've been to Ellensburg too much, but the wind blows yeah. a hell of a lot here. All right. But the fall, it's beautiful. And then everybody's always joked about, well, baseball season, they should flip flop just for the weather aspect. But uh, that'd be nice and all. But I'm totally with you, man. Like if, if this thing gets nipped in the butt two years in a row, that is bad for the game. It's bad for our kids. 
and then it should be I mean, in reverse, you know, in the order of things. It's bad for our kids, but it's also bad for baseball and and yeah. trying to build this game, you know. Yeah, and, and to your point, like yeah, the first four weeks of the fall. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're right. It is better. Like it's better than March. It's better than being out there when it's snowing. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, it turns real quick. When state tournament comes around, what are we going to be playing in? Right. Well, well, then the other thing too that you know, so once you get to mid October, so if you run a normal season, mid October is kind of like your like last two weeks of the regular season. Like the sun goes down at like yep. six o'clock, yeah. six yep. fifteen. Yeah. So how are you getting the game in? You better yeah, have lights. You don't have lights. Yeah. Right. So there's a, there's a lot of logistical things that would would become factors. I mean, unless they're getting the kids out early, which I don't see that happening. Right. So, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I mean, listen, I hope that all sports can go on. Yeah. Right. And I, I like I don't want any other high school athlete to have to deal with what our athletes or the boys soccer athletes or the track athletes had to deal with this year, whether they play like like to me all high school sports are important. And obviously we care deeply about baseball, but like, I, I just want these kids to, to get back to some sense of normalcy. Um, and I just think moving it around, it jeopardizes too many kids that already lost the season. Cause I'm sure baseball wouldn't be the only sport that would move. Right. You know, there might be others. And, and if you left baseball in the spring and you move football to the spring, like as much as you might lose some kids that would play football over baseball, I still think that's like, if you're going to move football, I would, I would just keep baseball in the spring to be honest with you. Yeah, like you know, you, you, you teams will look a little different. Your two-way players might have to decide, and that's really <laughs> unfortunate, you know. Um, but that's a better alternative than losing a season completely, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that there's options that we can we can propose, and you know, the NCAA has acted a little bit early as far as making adjustments now to try to salvage, you know, at least conference play. Um, you know, for fall and spring sports and had some reductions and minimums and maximums that have been approved now. Um, but, but all of it's intended to allow everyone a chance to still have some semblance of a year, you know, yep. and, and I think, you know, just hearing you guys talk about it, I think that there's other plans and, and stuff that you can put in place with, you know, moving winter sports up to start a little bit earlier and then maybe starting baseball a little bit later in the spring. Could we carry over into, a June a little bit more, you know, where we have right now, we have a couple extra weeks of window. Um, most schools across the state before graduation, you know, yep. that we can push things back a little bit more logistically, but yeah, I think that there's other options in play that, you know, we could look at to, to not be in a spot to jeopardize baseball uh, for a second consecutive year. Right. Well, I definitely know that I'm glad I am not making the decisions in the WIA right <laughs> yeah. now. Because no matter what you do, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Absolutely. Well, that's even like the, the the whole return to play concept too. Like for Seattle Elite, it's like we know when we go back on the field, there's going to be people in the community that don't think that people should be playing baseball, right? Yeah. And that and that's yeah. it, it, and so we're trying to be sensitive there, but also you know provide for these kids. And um, so so I, like again, it just all goes back to we're do, trying to do it safely, and we're trying to do it in an organized fashion so that if like the kids are more safe, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I see videos of these kids doing, I'm sure you've seen them on Twitter. Like they're just going out to these parks, having live at bats and half the time there's not even an adult there. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is the, like, if you don't let some people that have, you know, some authority within, like whether it's little league, like give little league some power or like whether it's us as Seattle elite or GSL tournaments or whoever it is, right. Give people that are used to organizing these things the ability to do it safely. If you don't like you're, I, I feel personally, you're opening up the door to 
things happening that are unsafe, whether it's kids getting together. Because let's put it this way. If, if kids get together for a league game, they're going to have strict rules they're going to have to follow, right, to make sure that they're safe and, and guidelines are being followed. If 18 kids go down to the local park right now and play a pickup game with no adults there, that's risky, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and uh, so I, that's that's where I think all these sport organizations that have that are that have spent a lot of time. I mean, it's not easy work. We've spent a lot of time talking to people to develop these these protocols with the hope that we can get back on the field. And um, you know, it, it's going to be like it's, it's not easy, no matter what. I think anything in society right now is going to be a controversial decision. Right. In terms of what to get back, is it appropriate to get back? But, you know, at some point we, we feel like if we can do it safely, we want to be part of helping that cause. Well, and like the comment you said earlier about the people are like, well, major league baseball players aren't doing it. Why are high school kids? Well, you know, like, like you said, if it can be safely done and it's all right, you know, everything's right in the world, we got to get back to normal eventually. And if it's right. an opportunity to do it, but those guys in the big leagues are getting paid millions of dollars and they've had those years. Our kids, if they can safely do things, this is could be their last chance to play a competitive game of baseball. And, and I think you, you can't think you got to think safely, but you can't think, you know, to, to say, uh, that's the word I'm saying, yeah. you know, but yeah, yeah it, it, there has to be a point where it's safe enough to do it in an organized, in a controlled fashion. Right. Right. That's all we're asking. Right. We're not like, trust me, I don't think, and I hope this is not coming across. I don't think we should go out and play a game tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, no, like, I don't think it's we're ready yet, but when our government says that we're safe enough in our state to get to phase three and have those activities, all we're asking for is the ability to, to help, help put that on. That's it. Right. And go back to normal life as we should, when it gets to that point, uh, you know, we talked about the WIA a little bit and they are going to have a lot of grief, but one thing they just recently did that I am a fan of personally, and I feel like you can go so many ways with this thing is allowing the WIA foundation game. Uh, you know, for people that don't know what that is, you know, there's an opportunity you got to pay for it, but you get to play a 20, your 21st game throughout the year. And, you know, talk about that, what your thoughts on that. And is it something that you're going to do? Are you going to add a rivalry game to it? Are you going to go just yeah. another non-league game or what's going to, what are you going to do here? So I'm not sure yet. And, and, uh, I, I saw it come out. I emailed our athletic director and told him that we want to be a part of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot, I wish they'd add five more games. Right. But, yeah. um, you know, I, 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 so do you, do any of you guys know, like how, I think they have this in Oregon right now. Is that right? That's what I understand. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know other than just kind of reading that, that press release that WA put out. Um, so we've been very fortunate at Lake Washington that we've, we've played in the high school baseball classic for the last eight years at Safeco or T-Mobile. Um, and to me, that's kind of been our foundation game, even though it counts as the 20th game. Like they, they set us up with pretty good rivalries and our kids get a chance to play in the big league stadium and get in the dugout and everything. And, uh, it's been such an honor to be a part of that. Um, so I don't know how we would, how we would do ours. I saw, I've seen some suggestions. Actually, I saw some replies to your guys' post on Twitter about the alumni game. Like, you know, we already do that, but um, obviously they can't play the kids because otherwise it counts as a game. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's an opportunity for us to have our alumni play our current players as the 21st game. Um, like, whether, maybe it's, a, it's a, a renewed rivalry with a school that maybe went from 4A to 3A or 3A to 4A that you don't play anymore, and now you get the chance to, like, make a big deal about that and put it on a bigger stage, maybe. I, I haven't really kind of thought about it that that far, other than I know that I want to play that extra game for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we've been, you know, I, I can't – I'm so fortunate to be able to co- coach at Lake Washington. It's just been a pleasure, and it's been – like the, I think that our our high school experience rivals a lot of 
programs in that we have that opportunity to play at T-Mobile. Um, we started about six or seven years ago, um, putting a, a trip on the books every year um, to like either Eastern Washington or, or Southern or Northern Oregon. Last year, we took the kids to Arizona over spring break. Um, and like, so to me, like that, that, that those experiences are huge. And we, the, the, um, the trips that we've taken, we've combined them with a college visit. So every year, no matter where we go, we get a tour of a, a local college. So a couple of years back, we went to Ellensburg and we got a tour of Central, right? Last year, we actually got a tour of the University of Arizona, right? So it's been a kind of a cool thing for our program to do. And, you know, I want to be able to continue that. And that foundation game will allow for that a little bit more because, like, depending on our league structure, we might have to play 18 league games and we only get to play 20. And we're not going to give up the T-Mobile game, right? So <laughs> there's 19 already. So now our trip that we normally take, you, you're going to have to go play, a, make a trip and play one game, right? That's not really, it's tough to sell, right? Um, and so maybe, I don't know, maybe it's turning it into like a, a situation where wherever we go, we, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't, I haven't put my mind around what it means and I, I need to do a little bit more research, but I don't know. Well, I'm curious, what are you guys planning on doing? So I'm with you. I got so many ideas rolling through my brain because I have time to think about it right now. For, yep. First off, um, uh, you know, I, I, the idea for me, the, the next or preseason game, but then my thoughts are, well, it's March in Ellensburg. There could very easily be two feet of snow on our field till end of March. So right. I, you know, and this is going to sound like the big 10 a little too much, but I want to make it a rivalry game with a, with a team that, you know, we can match up with from year to year and make a traveling trophy, something fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like that's a, if it's a way that we can promote our program and make a fun atmosphere out of it, I don't see any – I think that can only better our guys. And whether we have to play that right before – and that could be a good tune-up game for playoffs because, you know, in our league, it, the, the talent goes back and forth so much. And if we get matched up with the lower end of our, you know, the bracket of talent and it's a playoff year for us, there's our opportunity to play a team to get us prepared back into playoff mode, you know? Yep. So that's, that's, that's kind of where I want to go with it is create a rivalry fun trophy game and see where it can go from there. For sure. What about you, this Jason? What about you? You know, Derek, I haven't thought about it much. You know, I, I just, <laughs> as, uh, you know, maybe travel over to you guys and play. I mean, I, we're always wanting to play up, man. I mean, that's the thing here being a 2B school, you know, I mean, uh, here in the MCC, you know, we don't get a whole lot of love from our 3A, 4A teams that, you know, we play them in the summer all the time. I mean, yep. we're playing the, the Knights, you know, the Titans and, you know, uh, the Sun Devils and the Flames. I mean, they're, yeah, they're playing us. But when it comes to school ball, they're like, ah, you know, so, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we're definitely going to take opportunity to do it. Um, you know, I, I'm a big advocate all about extensions of of this our season i think the wia would be it'd be huge for them to extend us out into the month of june uh just the sheer fact of schools that be like what kelly is saying you know we're getting extended time the way things are going um you know opportunities are more i i just think for more on the for you know the athletes that are wanting to get more exposure you know i think that you know, a lot of your college coaches are all about looking at your high school teams. And, and you know, I mean, summer stuff is important. Yeah, they, but the more college guys that I talk to or get to know, I mean, they're all about, hey, what was the guy's uh, numbers during the high school season? You know, I mean, you're going to get your most accurate numbers, um, you know, through your game uh, game changer stuff and, you know, your max preps and all that kind of stuff. And 
I mean, and, and there's something to say for the athlete who represents himself with wearing the uniform across the name, you know, school name across the front of his jersey. Yep. So, man, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just really want to get back out there and start coaching. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I mean, what we're doing here has been fun, but you know, I mean, like, I think we're all just like every time I'm just like, man, <laughs> yeah. I want to get out there. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're wanting to do something creative. Um, you know, but I think it's important. I think, I think the WIA been doing that. I, it tells me that they really are caring about the game. And, and I think they do, you know, they've been doing the two minute video drill um, updates up for us. And I think that's been huge. I really, I really think that they feel awful. And I think they got hit really yes. hard with a lot of our student athletes on what took place this spring. And, um, you know, and we're talking to our athletic director, we have a zoom meeting here in a couple of weeks with him regarding you know, a lot of the things were taking place, but you know, it, it what it, I'm excited about is the WIE is being proactive in all this, you know, and there, there's two ways that you were, we're seeing a group, we're seeing not a, not a, not there's people out there being passive, but I, I just feel like in some cases, people are just like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Well, you can wait, but nothing's going to happen if you just wait, wait, wait. It's just like you're saying, I mean, what tomorrow's June 1st, that's crazy to think <laughs> yeah, about. We're in the June, but if, if we're proactive and I think that's what the WIE is doing, and the NCAA and all those organizations, they're, they're trying to, what shows to me that they're trying to do whatever they can to get us back on the field safe. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, commend them for doing that. And I think that as coaches, if we put ourselves on these platforms for people to listen in and, you know, I know after, you know, this is, you know, um, downloaded and, and up on iTunes and Spotify, there's going to be people listening to this and, and the thought's going to be, going through their head too. And, and then I know there's going to be guys hitting their ADs up or their local representatives and saying, Hey, how can we be more of a voice for our game that we love? You know, so definitely. Well, I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Eric, to your point, sorry. Uh, the, the trophy game, we actually had one of our former players got the job at Port Angeles and like three years back, we started playing them once a year and we called it the battle of the boat. Cool. And it was like kind of just a cool, cool deal. Like you said, it's like, you know, you go play like, we go over there one year, they come to our place the next year, a little bit of a trophy game. And it was kind of fun. And he actually moved on to a different position. So that kind of went away, but I thought that was a really cool idea that he had to kind of make it like he, he had a lot of pride in like taking his team, his current team back to where he played. And, you know, so like those kind of things, I think it, it makes a huge difference and it makes the games. You said it, Jason, like you're playing for your community and your school. That's to me is like what high school is all about. Like, I talked to mm -hmm. a, just a ton of coaches, obviously, like you all do, but through my Seattle elite role and the number of them that like, oh, the high schools are whatever, but I love summer ball. See, I'm the opposite. Like, I, I like summer ball, but man, high school, getting those kids to play for their school and, and like having it mean something to the community and like the support you get from the community. Like to me, that, that's, that's what it's all about, right? And so like finding more ways, like you said, Eric, to, to make those games have some meaning, I think would be great. Well, and I guess I'm getting chills because we're talking about this, but like the last time we talked about, uh, you know, uh, last weekend, I believe it was or the weekend before, it was police escort day. The day that the whole town of Kittitas goes, what in the hell's going on? Why is the police car sirens blaring? He's going two miles an hour. Well, it's because they're escorting us out of town. And that's awesome. That ability to have that pride in your community. And when you show up, like when, uh, you know, to see when teams that to be able to have that in your high school season is so awesome. And I like talking about the trophy game, you know, Cleom's coming into our league next year. We've been really pushing hard for people to name a rivalry and we got to figure out how we're going to do it in a double header. You know, if we split, like who gets the, you know, the cross County, yeah. maybe that's a foundation right. game, but 
You know, yeah. the other thing that we're going to do, I kind of want to make it in you know, the team that we get on board with that. Uh, last year, we played a team and we met halfway at a college, played a night game, and we both agreed beforehand, hey, we're going to use wood bats. And it was cool. a non-league game, and it was awesome. We also had the stipulation, like, well, as soon as one team runs out of wood bats, if we keep getting sawed off, we go back to aluminum. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, any high school coach listening right now, I challenge you to have some have some fun with it. That could be the one chance your kid gets to play a competitive game with a wood bat. And I know our kids got super jacked when I dropped that on them that day. They're like, are you serious? Like, we get to use wood bats? I'm like, yeah. Awesome. And so there's a lot of fun that could be had with this. Definitely. Well, Coach, thank you so much. That was a, a lot of fun just getting to talk baseball and high school baseball and, and his everything. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And um, it's to your point, Jason, like it's, it's not what we want to be doing, right. We'd rather be out there on the field, but yeah. like, this is, this has definitely been therapeutic, <laughs> I would say, oh, yeah, you know, sure. getting a chance to ca- talk to some guys <laughs> that, you know, are kind of dealing with similar stuff and getting a chance to see you Kelly, obviously, we, you know, through Seattle elite, we've known each other for a long time and um, appreciate all you guys are doing for the, for the community. And I think this is, you know, it, it's, it's the action that you were talking about. Like, Hey, let's get Let's get a podcast going to like, get some people talking baseball and keep it in fresh in the mind. And the more that it's all about growing the game. And I think you guys are doing an unbelievable job of that. And so I encourage you to keep it going. It's, it's great. Hey, we really appreciate that. That's, that's, it's nice to hear those things for sure. So, well, coach, thank you again. And, and we'll be right back with Kelly and Jason, in the bullpen to wrap this thing up. <laughs> All right, we're in the bullpen to wrap this thing up. Uh, guys, I'll go first. Uh, that was that was awesome. That was a lot of cool to see, you know, the aspects of things and a guy that runs a league over there, and he's a part of a very success, successful high school program. And so super excited. You know, I'm, another episode I can't wait to sit through and dissect. But, uh, you know, it's always refreshing to hear from a guy who coaches baseball for the right reasons and does things for the betterment of the baseball game, the kids in general. And, you know, just the other thought that that I wanted to touch on is the idea of that foundation game that WIAA came up with. And that there's so such cool possibilities for this thing. And like we talked about on there, you know, we could have a preseason game. We could have a, a good uh, rivalry game or something coming up with that. And I almost need to get over there and see that uh, the game they play against is it Juanita. They're same town guys. Mm-hmm. I feel like that'd be a lot of cool to be a part of that experience one time and go check it out. So, no, another great, great episode, and, and I'm super excited for to to break this whole thing down. Just listen to everything. Yeah, he's got a great setup there. I think it's if if you're a high school baseball fan or even a baseball fan in the area and have a chance to go to Lee Johnson Field, formerly Peter Kirk Park, um, downtown Kirkland. There, downtown setting with. A lot of stuff going on, big trees, big lights, a hell of a burger at the snack shack. I and mean, that's, that's an important. hundred percent. If you, you got a good fryer, then you're doing it absolutely right. Um, I grew up on those things to tell you the truth. A lot of games played on that field, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I think some of the things that I really liked from the episode, you talked about, um, you know, being in a state championship for the first time, you know, and, and, um, I got to be a part of some teams that were able to go to some regional tournaments in the past and um, was fortunate enough last year to go to our first conference tournament. Um, and it's a completely different environment 
you know, and I've talked with a lot of people and a lot of coaches that are really successful and, and they all talk about, and I know this is, is specifically true at the high school level is the challenge is getting there, right? It's, it's having a good league year. It's getting through your district and some of those playing games, like Derek talked about, they played against a team that was one of the best in the state, you know, and I had a chance to see them play a couple of times and it's, it's true. So, so getting to that game is the challenge and you, and you can't make it any bigger than it is, you know, cause the, the kids are going to feel pressure. I mean, cause they've never been in that mindset, but as a coach, once you get that under your belt, it becomes a little bit easier, but you know, I, the, the people that I've talked to, they, they talk about the challenges getting there. So once you get there, let the kids go play, you know, <clears throat> relax it back. Don't add any more pressure to the game and just absolutely enjoy the moment because the energy is going to be high. You know, I know at times us as coaches have to get teams going, you rally them up and you, you know, Hey, we got to go here, but in a, in a state championship or a conference tournament or a bigger game setting, like you don't have to do that. The kids are already in that mode. They're actively engaged because they know how important the game is. And, and I think at times we, we can make it <clears throat> maybe a little bit more about ourselves or, or, or try to feel pressure a little bit, a little bit more. And, and, and naturally kids feel off your, your demeanor and your mannerisms, you know, and if, if you're making the game maybe bigger than it is or, or, or adding more pressure to them, they're naturally going to play with that same pressure because they're taking on the same type of stuff that you've done. But um, that's, that's rang really true for me. And, and then I hit on in the episode, just talking about, uh, not having a <clears throat> end of the story for some of those guys that maybe had an opportunity to, to move on and just how, how tough that is to think about, you know, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to be where I was at, but it was a grind to get to that varsity level. And especially at a lot of those bigger schools with higher enrollments that, you know, kids bloom at a different time and, and you just might not know what, what some kids could have been this year. And, and that's, and that's really a, a tough thing to kind of, to kind of swallow, but hopefully they can, they can find some joy in, in other hobbies and passions that they like to do and, and continue to move forward the best way they can. You know, Kelly, that's so true in, you know, the game of baseball, you're either going to put on pressure, you're going to feel pressure, you know, and I think that, you know, suffocates to the leadership that's being presented on the field. And I think of our 2017 team there at Tracy prep, we went uh, 25 and 0 up to the state championship game went in to play uh, Colfax and uh, you know, we ended up, you know, losing that game in extras three to two in the ninth. And, and, you know, and the thing is, is that was my first final championship game being there as a head coach of the helm there at Tracy prep. And I think I, I, I feel like, you know, looking back, I didn't really prepare my guys in the, in the sense of the, 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 just the relaxation of the game, you know, they probably felt my intention a little bit, you know, and that reflected a little bit, on my part on, on as their head coach. And, you know, I even tell some of the guys that moved on after that season, you know, I, I feel like I failed them, you know, a little bit, that I didn't prepare them mentally to just play the game. They, they like they've done all season, you know, and there was a good reason why we were undefeated, you know, because the guys came out and they enjoyed themselves and they played and, you know, and in 2018, when we came in, which it was kind of one of those teams, I didn't expect us to come back, you know, and we had only lost uh, two, two games in that season. And, that night before we had told the hotel um, uh, lobby, the gal working in the lobby there that, you know, we'd like to use the cafeteria. And we had a team meeting and I sat down and I went through and I told what each guy meant to our program. Um, and, then, and then I also went into talking to my, our seniors, what they've done for us for the last four years. And, uh, you know, and that just reciprocated to some of the guys 
actually stood up and talked about other athletes there, what they meant to the program. And I'll tell you what, it just helped with the mood of the team. And we came out that next day. It was just unbelievable. It was, it was uh, black and white. It was night and day, um, you know, from our 2017 team to 2018 team. They just came out and they played ball like they loved. And I think that's, you know, part of the thing is we, we, we just, as coaches, we can, we can put a lot on our kids. They've already put a lot on themselves. You know, and I think most importantly, the other thing I take from um, from today is that, you know, we we got to fight for our guys. You know, I mean, we, we, we really not to get too political, guys, is we're, we're in a situation right now with this Minneapolis police officer. And, you know, a lot of people are angry and they're rioting and looting and those things. And I can understand their frustration. But if you don't do it, you know, out fighting and how do you fight for that? You don't need to go out and destroy someone else's property. You do that with your voice with your ability to vote. Um, you bring in the right people that you feel that are gonna stay for the right stance of, of the American people. And I think that as coaches, we do that. You know, we, we, we want, you want change, you want betterment for your kids, you gotta fight. You can't just let other people mow you over. And so, and I think it shows how much we care, you know, and if you really care about something, don't get angry. I mean, don't, don't go out and burn down your own home because you're trying to make a statement. That's never gonna go anywhere, you know? Go out and do the right things. Speak out to your, you know, your WIA board or your state representatives. You know, if you don't like what's going on in America, vote the right president and, you know, vote your right governors. Do the things that that's what being an American is all about, guys. It's about the freedoms that we have. But we sometimes have the tendency to forget those things. And I think that if we can remember those things, I think, that again, like I always say, it's a betterment of the game and it allows us to grow. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing I've noticed in the last 48 hours is there's a lot of correlation to life in baseball and how you do things and how you treat people. And uh, I think there's a, I feel very fortunate to be a part of the game that we are a part of and I'm excited that we're growing it. And that wraps up another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast. Guys, we really appreciate the comments we're seeing on iTunes and the reviews that we've been getting. So, you know, we, we truly appreciate that. Glad you guys are enjoying it and please keep it up. You know, we always like to hear about how things are going and, and please check us out on Facebook at Fungo or Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter. Check us out on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. We have a little bit of, we have some questions out there. We'd love to hear from you, especially you Oregon or, or Idaho coaches that might have uh, some answers to having this fundamental game go, that's going. And you know what, fellas? Great job. Proud of both of you. Did great there. So, and thanks again thanks, to coach. coach. Super cool, man. <laughs> thanks, coach. Appreciate Coach Bingham coming on with us and, Take care of one another, stay healthy, let's get back to baseball.